Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Like many people who do what I do, uh, I get a ton of questions and I try to answer as many as I can. But today, I decided to do something a little bit different. I asked you if you had any questions about um, my personal life. And I know there's like an arrogance to that because, uh, John, you're making it about you. We don't give a shit about you. We want you to help you with our stuff, right? Um, but you know, I've never done this before, so I thought I'd do this and, uh, let's see what comes in. All right. So I got a ton of questions and I'm going to, uh, try to answer, uh, all of them. Okay. First question. Did you finish a PsyD PhD? If so, where I can't work without one as a psychologist. Okay. Um, I'm a licensed marriage family therapist. Uh, that means I have an MA, I have a master's, I do not have a PhD. Uh, uh, a lot of times people will call me Dr. Kim and it makes me feel good. Um, but it's not true, I'm not a doctor. I know my, my mom would like for that to uh, be true. I think that's her greatest, uh, her, that was her greatest wish for me. Uh, but it's not, I have a master's, not a PhD. To be a psychologist, you do have to have a PhD. Another question, someone just said something very kind. You are so inspiring. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Um, another question, would love to have your energy, wondering if you ever get feel burnt out. Yes, um, I actually see myself as someone who has uh, a resting bitch face, as they say, and I struggle with, and this has always been the case, I struggle with um, positive energy. I think it takes a lot more for me to muster up positivity and gratitude. Um, and maybe partly because most of my life uh, just allowed myself to sit in misery. You know, my default has always been what's lacking, what I don't have, who I'm not. And um, it's not as much anymore, but um, I'm not one of those just like, naturally positive people and when I see people like that I get so jealous but then I also question how much of that is real or if they are uh, hiding but I do believe um, with a lot of work because I have some friends in my life um, who are just fucking they're just positive they're just sun you know and um, I don't know this person but uh, a good example of this is uh, Kevin Hart um, from what I see on social, um, he just tends to be or put a lot of effort into being a positive being, showing up in a positive way. And um, I think it's very attractive and it's something I envy and it's something that I'm working on and will continue to work on for the rest of my life. Do you consider yourself to have an abandonment wound as part of your anxious attachment style? Uh I don't know if the word is abandonment, but I grew up with parents who were never home because they were busy working. Uh, you know, a Korean immigrant parents that came here with uh, $500. I always say, like, because they kept saying that we came here with $500. And I always say, 
why, why didn't you wait? Why, why didn't you save up a little more? It's not smart to go to a new country where you don't know the language with two kids and $500. Why are you telling me that, Dad? I'm not impressed by that. <laughs> but uh, they were never home. And uh, I always say I was raised by pop culture. So um, the kids in the neighborhood skateboarding, Levi's, Coca-Cola, you know. And uh, they did do a good job buying us designer things. I think they thought that's what it meant to be American. We were the, uh, the Korean family who um, had Lucky Charms and Snickers and, you know, lots of toys and stuff. Um, so all the kids came to our house. I, I think that's one of the reasons why I was liked as a kid. Uh, they got to raid our cupboards. Anyway, abandonment, I don't know. The wound for me would be not a lot of emotional milk. Parents not um, telling me that uh, I have value. Uh, not a lot of I love yous. Although my dad said that a lot, uh, but he also drank a lot. Uh, not at home much Well, with me growing I never went uh, you know, camping, fishing, all of that stuff. I was usually on a skateboard or... Um, on cardboard in kind of uh, unnatural positions, spinning usually. Do you believe in ghosts slash the supernatural? Uh, yes, for sure. I'm sure you do too. I mean, everyone has stories, or uh, we have friends that have um, that have stories. I remember uh, one of my best friends in ninth ninth grade told me that because uh, his his grandma passed and they were uh, really close. And uh, the day that she passed, they came home from the funeral, um, or maybe not the funeral. The funeral happens a little bit later. But they came home, and the house smelled of uh, chocolate chip cookies, and the oven wasn't on. The oven wasn't on, uh, and her grandma uh, was fa his grandma was famous for her chocolate chip cookies, and it wasn't like you know smelling them outside or from the neighbor's house. It was uh, it was in the house, and so we hear a lot of stories like like those. Uh, a more obvious story is my partner Vanessa. In her twenties, she had um, she woke up. This is terrifying. She woke up with uh, a man sitting at the edge of her bed. That sounds like an M Night movie. M Night Shyamalan. The the. <laughs> No one can no one can say his last name. M Night, I forgot. Anyway, the dude that wrote the Sixth Sense, um, wrote and directed. I think there was a being at the edge of her bed, and then she realized it was a ghost. And he lingered there for I think weeks until um, she asked him to leave. Anyway, so yes, I do believe in things greater. I also believe uh, that there is. Um, other life forms. I mean, how could there not, right? And I think in our lifetime, we are going to get information, uh, proof that is going to be equivalent to uh, when Qu uh, Christopher Columbus um, discovered the world was round, right? It's like we're gonna, we're gonna. I think we're gonna be floored with what opens up through new findings improve and i think it's going to happen in our lifetime 
Crazy life, crazy world we live in these days. Um, what's your favorite date night with Vanessa look like? You know, it's not going to be some crazy, exotic, expensive. Um, for me, it's going to be... This reminds me of something I just saw on TikTok. Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves was, was being interviewed by uh, uh, someone for like a movie promo and I don't know what they were talking about I guess like the perfect day and this is what he said and I was like yes 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 he's like you get up I think he lives in hotels which is you know already pretty amazing and uh it's just simple stuff like a, a amazing breakfast motorcycle ride uh sex go see a movie go for a swim little more sex have a meal get back on the motorcycle and uh when he was saying this because you know obviously he got he's a, a rich and famous he could do whatever it wasn't like trips to paris or getting on a plane and going somewhere it was just like waking up uh having a nice breakfast going for more stuff like things that uh uh that are simple and so for me it would be like that it would be uh, maybe a staycation somewhere in Los Angeles, um, cool hotel, nice restaurant, something we haven't tried before. Uh, maybe we um, pretend we don't know each other, meet at the bar, some kinky sex, wake up in the morning, morning sex, breakfast, pour over coffee, a conversation in bed that's not forced or um, that doesn't require a, a, a time, a ticking clock. Because when you have a, a child, um, you can't sit in bed and just kind of talk for hours, right? That would be nice. All right. Uh, how did you discover your passion hobbies besides work and relationship? My uh, passion slash hobbies came from um, my my rebirth. It came from after a divorce, building a life from scratch and um, getting obsessed with things. Right, so uh, I started as a blogger on Tumblr, um, 2010, and I got obsessed with it because it was therapeutic, and uh, I didn't think anyone would read it. I called it the Angry Therapist. And um, yeah, blogging then evolved to uh, videos and now podcasting and all the stuff. But uh, I got obsessed with producing slash documenting content like I was obsessed with Legos when I was 12 or 11. I would lock myself into a room and uh, forget to eat. And for hours, I would be obsessed with building things just to show someone i mean not not just to show someone but i mean i actually enjoyed the process i loved it the the, the taking little building blocks and creating something that you imagined and then at the end of that holding it in your hand and seeing what you imagined in your hand right so that translates into um the stuff i do today and you know writing books right so like having an idea giving feeding that idea giving birth to that idea and then being able to hold what was once an idea now in your hand i think that's life you know i think that uh um 
what we're meant to do, right? I think that's how we give back. So that hobby became uh, an obsession and then eventually became my uh, work, my job. And of course, I'm super passionate about it still today. So I discovered it through rebuilding my life. I discovered it through pain. I discovered it through uh, shaking my life edge sketch and asking myself questions like, what do I want to do now? Now that I, you know, don't have a clock to punch, um, now that I'm starting over and because I have nothing, and I got to say, it's when you have nothing um, that it's the easiest, you know? If you have children, if you have responsibilities, if you're in a relationship, it's really hard to go and just do whatever the fuck you want, right? You you have to think like, okay, I need something. I need something now. I need to pay the bills. And so a lot of times you're doing things um, that you don't like doing, and maybe it's a transition, but you don't have the luxury because you have um, other people to be responsible for, to you know answer to. Um, when you're alone, when you're single on purpose, it's the richest oil for growth because you can do whatever you want because um, the only person that you have to answer to is yourself. And so that was a, one of the most painful parts of my life, but also truly a gift. And it was the freest time of my life. And it was the perfect time for me to get obsessed with building things. Why did you become a therapist? Um, I was in my own therapy and uh, my therapist and you know my my screenwriting career wasn't going anywhere my marriage was falling apart and my therapist asked me uh what do you want to do if you can't uh if you can't write screenplays if you can't do that stuff you can't make movies what do you want to do and i said uh you know if i can't move people by the masses i want to do it one at a time i want to do what you're doing and i loved conversations i loved um psychology i loved you know of course helping people and uh, he said, okay, we'll go do that. And I was like, uh, but I'm not a school person. I'm a C student. There's no way I'm going to go back to school at age 35. And he's like, you just need a master's. And the master's only takes two years. And I was like, oh. So next thing you know, I'm in school. What he didn't tell me, though, was that you need 3,000 hours after you graduate to get your license. And that shit took me like, I took a year off because I got burned out, but that shit took me like six years. And uh, worked in nonprofit, worked as a school counselor, did everything I can to rack up those hours. And at the end, you have to take this big exam and it's kind of like the bar for therapists. Uh, and I was terrified because I'm the worst test taker. And I thought, okay, this is the end. I'm not gonna get licensed. And I did all this for nothing. And I'll tell you what, this is a moment one of the moments in my life that makes me believe in God, I don't remember the test. I know it was like four hours long. I, I swear, I don't remember anything about the test. It was almost like I was possessed. And uh, I hit that finish at the end, and it said you passed. And I remember driving home crying, like bawling, feeling like that wasn't me, um, and feeling like, God has plans for me. It was almost a nod from the universe because I'm telling you, I there's no way that I, I was supposed to pass that test. I don't pass any test. Um, I, I'm not like a school person at all, you know, and I think I have ADD. Like, I don't, I don't know how I passed it on the first time. A lot of therapists in training don't pass that test the first time and they get very discouraged. 
And I think you have to wait like a year or two. And then by the time you take it again, if you don't pass it again, they're just like, fuck it. Um, I passed it on the first time, which was a miracle. I don't remember that day. All I remember is me driving home in tears, um, knowing that uh, this is what I'm supposed to do because I, I passed something that I don't think I should have, if that makes sense. Okay, how do you move from anxious attached to secure? Hey, look, this is supposed to be about me and my personal questions about me. Not, not, no, no therapy questions. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I am anxiously attached, and um, of course, there's a spectrum. Uh, you have to notice what happens internally when you feel the tug to grab someone's leg or to demand uh, text every five minutes for your partner to tell you that you are still desirable and that they're still into you. Um, you have to be aware of all that and then self-soothe, you know, to swim towards secure attachment. You have to uh, reparent and self-soothe yourself when you feel the anxiety that someone doesn't love you or someone's going to leave or someone's not attracted to you. And it's the practice of that, you know, which is hard. Um, but it's the practice of that, not just information, the actual practice of sitting with yourself and uh, self-soothing yourself, right? If you're an avoidantly attached person, it would be the practice of not running if you're used to being avoidant, if you're used to avoiding. All right, uh, what's your typical workout routine? Um, my typical workout routine is uh, I found CrossFit um, 12 years ago and uh, got obsessed with that, uh, was doing it once or twice a day it really became um, structure slash a spine in my, my day to day and and it was my daily sweat uh, and it wasn't just um, um, for the physical stuff it kind of rewired me mentally uh, it challenged me mentally and I, I loved it it gave me a place to go it gave me community over the years I've kind of faded away from it so um, I do classes um and i work out at pharos here in echo park and so some of it's lifting some of it's uh, functional fitness some of it is kind of crossfit but i i basically just take a class a day um i try to get in five days a week and then i try to switch it up so i'll go maybe swim um sometimes i'll go for a run i think it's important to switch up your fitness uh, but fitness is a huge part of my life it, it just it's where i breathe and um my workout routine to answer your question is um, taking a class a day that's that's my, my my workout routine i wish i could do more i used to do uh you know two sessions a day i used to uh, compete locally and stuff like that i just don't have the time um and it just doesn't line up with my goals you know i'm trying to be i'm not trying to have abs i'm trying to be healthy and so that looks very different than, um, you know, competing and all that stuff. But I still do it, and I will. I will do movement for the rest of my life. It's um, something that I truly enjoy. It's, it's ingrained. It's a part of part of my my lifestyle. What is your religion or spiritual preference, and how does this inform your practice? Um, I'm not really religious. Uh, I used to be Christian when I was married, but I think uh, a lot of that was going through the motions for her, not me. We used to go to church on Sundays. Um, 
today I would say that I'm um, working on being a spiritual person, uh, but I don't find myself as being a religious person. I don't follow a religion, although um, I believe that I'm spiritual. At least I'm trying to be. I'm trying. To, I'm very open to it. I believe in things greater than self. Do you give personal couples therapy? Do I give personal couples therapy? Uh, I do couples therapy. Sure, I enjoy it. Uh, I've also been in couples therapy. Oh, and also, if you're listening to this, Vanessa and I are um, doing our first in-person couples retreat based off our book, It's Not Me, It's You, here in Los Angeles. First week of November. So uh, it's not just for couples who are in trouble. If you want to reboot, reset, if you want to learn some tools, uh, we're doing it here in a gorgeous house in Topanga Canyon. So um, look out for it. And uh, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be uh, meaningful. So check that out. That's coming in November. Favorite bands? Oh, man. Uh, This is a tough question because it's so broad. It's going to depend on genre you know i grew up uh i i love 80s music just because it takes you me back and and the 80s for me they were my wonder years so um madonna's borderline and holiday takes me back to when i was 10 uh wearing fat laces and a windbreaker and spinning on my head and the world was big and this is before uh taxes and broken hearts and uh quote-unquote issues and you know all of that adulting and so anything from the 80s it's like nostalgia i love 80s songs uh when i went to high school you know i was into the cure depeche mode alternative music um a little bit of that hair you know a little bit of guns and roses and rage against the machine stuff like that um i don't really have a favorite band though when I was going through my divorce, Airborne Toxic Events, for some reason, I was listening to them um, on repeat, some Third Eye Blind stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have like a favorite band, although I, I do love music. 90s hip hop, 2000 hip hop, 2001, I think was like the pick, the, the peak of hip hop. Um, that stuff I love. Cats or dogs, dogs 100%. I don't trust cats. Cats aren't even like pets. They're so like in the in the independent. They're they're just I don't know. I don't know. But I think I, I agree with Bukowski in that I think dogs are the angels of earth. How do you handle questions in therapy from a client that you don't want to an- answer truthfully? Wow. That's a really good question. Um well, you know, therapy isn't really about giving advice, but then I would, that's my shit that I would process or bring into the room. You know, I would have to explore why I don't want to answer it truthfully. That's coming from somewhere. And if I don't do that, then I'm being irresponsible because it's affecting the dynamic of uh, the relationship. I always want to be honest with my clients. Um, it's when you are not that you break trust. And um, that's not fair to the client. You know, I was thinking the other day, because I've done so many sessions over the years, I've had so many clients, there's got to be a handful of clients, if not more, that hate me. <laughs> there's got to be, there's got to be, I know there's at least, you know, three or four 
Um, but and I don't know if they hate me, but maybe they're mad at me. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't think you could avoid that. There, there's an intimacy with giving therapy that is very different than say like fitness coaching because you're getting to know someone on, on such a personal level. There's so much vulnerability in that. Um, people can get hurt. People can um, have hurt feelings. I remember when I started, um, one of my clients had a crush on me and she told me, um, and I didn't know how to handle that. And by the way, there's a lot of crushes that happen in therapy rooms um, that I think come from the vulnerability piece uh, or if you're providing a safe space. Um, you know, she may not, I don't think she would have a crush on me in real life, but because we're talking about personal things where I was giving her a space that felt safe, that could be a, a mistake, um, mistaken for attraction, right? This happens all the time. And uh, this happened early on and I didn't know how to handle it. So um, I think I minimized it. And I think going back, I would definitely process that. And so I know she was hurt or felt rejected. And uh, anyway, I'm not perfect. There's a ton of sessions that I wish I could go back and say something different or be in a different way. But, um, you know, early on, I, I uh, definitely had less confidence in myself. And, and you know, you get to a place where you, you have to tell yourself um, or you're not going to last in this field. You have to tell yourself that uh, what people get from the exchange is none of your business, you know. It's different than fitness coaching where it's like, here's a program, here's the nutrition. If you do it, these are the results you're going to see. Therapy and personal development and growth is abstract. And uh, there's no blanket answer for anything. And so um, just kind of providing that space and hoping that your client evolves and grows um, is all you can do. Anyway, I'm sidetracking. Okay, a few more questions. Do you struggle today with anxiety? Of course, I'm human. Um, I, I'm in my head a lot about things, about my relationship, about, um, you know, um, what I'm building. Uh, so yes, I, I struggle with anxiety, not to the point where it's uh, debilitating, but, um, I don't sleep much. I have horrible insomnia. Part of that is my lizard brain. How did you come from immigrant parents? How did coming from immigrant parents shape you? You know, what's interesting is when I first came to America, we came here when I was three. I was very anti, like I didn't want to be Korean, um, and partly because it was the 80s and everyone was racist, and uh, I was, you know, on the outside, all the cool kids had blonde hair and blue eyes, and so I wanted to be like them. Uh, today, I love that I'm Korean. Um, I, I wish I, I uh, could write and read Korean. I want to go back to Korea, explore my culture, I, I, um, all of that stuff. You know, one of the things that personally that um, that I've kind of drawn a line with is uh, Asian jokes because in the 80s, um, to fit in, I made my, uh, fun of myself a lot. And of course, that has become a pattern where uh, if people laugh at the Asian joke, then I get approval and validation. And so recently, I actually told one of my friends that uh, I don't think Asian jokes are funny anymore <laughs> and, to st and to stop. Uh, and, you know, it's coming from a light, you know, light place but that's just it's just not I'm just not into it anymore and so I kind of drew that line I don't know how he took it but um, 
immigrant parents today uh, helps uh, having immigrant parents has helped me appreciate what they did like I can't imagine going to a new country speaking not speaking the language with very little money and two children I mean it just blows my mind you know and uh, I text people and make videos for a living um, my mom worked at a convenience store for 10 years you know got robbed and uh, eventually saved money and was flipping burgers in um, a little shack the size of a Mini Cooper for 10 years and then fried chicken at a Popeye's chicken because uh, that's what we bought for another 10 years driving an hour there and an hour back and she really had no life. She she still to this day has no friends. Um, she started working when she was 14 and my dad did a lot of physical labor pulling um, telephone cable and stuff and so Having immigrant parents who came to a country with um, out speaking without speaking the language and building a life uh, makes me today as a forty nine year old makes me um, grateful and appreciative and makes me feel like the, the days that I don't want to do something makes me um, feel like my life is amazing because of them and um, yeah makes me not want to be lazy. Do you want more kids? No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, you know, I don't know. If I was younger, maybe. Uh, I'm 49. If I was 50, I wouldn't have had a kid. Um, I had Logan when I was 47, 48, 48, 47, sorry. And uh, I feel like I always tell people I pulled in Indiana Jones where he you know, grabs the hat before the door closes. Uh, I wouldn't have had a kid if I was 50. I just, I don't want to... I just it just it would have been too for just for me I'm not saying that it's I mean I know Alec Baldwin has like what 20 kids and he's still pumping out children he's older than me uh, but um, I'm, I'm we are we are one and done and um, I know there's a lot of judgment with kids you know you you got to do what's right for you with what you want in this life and one is good good for us um, I could I see why kids why you would want more kids uh, you know the whole family the big family I think if I was in my 30s I'd want one or two more um, but at 49 I am definitely done all right last question how do you compromise the Korean and American culture I don't know what that means I think I touched upon this in my uh, that previous question how do I compromise um, I'm trying to not compromise I'm trying to uh, you know, I'm American, but I'm trying to um, tap into Korean culture. Um, I would love for Logan to speak Korean, although it's so hard for me to speak Korean uh, consistently where she's learning. I want to visit Korea. I've never been there. Um, I love Korean food. Um, yeah, I'm trying to not compromise. I'm trying to marry both cultures. Anyway, thank you for listening, and um, before you go, just just a little bit of housekeeping. I mentioned that um, Vanessa and I are doing a couples retreat. It's going to be our first in-person retreat. If you live in L.A. or if you want to visit, um, come with you, and whether it's your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, and um, we're going to go in casual over clinical, and you could hang out with other couples and work on your relationship or your marriage and we're going to do this early november we're setting it up now and uh it's going to be a weekend here in uh 
the canyons of Los Angeles. It'd be a great time. And then also I just launched uh, TAT Text Plus. I've been texting people for many years, um, but I finally got international numbers. I have the ability to give you audio clips and uh, video, and I'm gonna send out a Zoom link so once a month we can all hang out and um, get off social media, get into the Zoom room where um, it's more safe and private and uh, I can answer your questions. Uh, we may go into breakout rooms. We're just going to build that community. Thank you for listening. Be well. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.